Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hello and welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jared and I are here this morning to talk about family worship, which is a topic that we're very excited about. Our church just went through a four or five week, how many weeks was it? Four week? It was, five ended week? up being five weeks. Five week class series on family worship where they broke up the different aspects of family worship from prayer, singing, scripture, and just really teased out all the different um, details of these three elements of family worship and why we do them. So I thought it'd be fun to have Jared on to kind of give an overview for those of you that don't go to Christ Church to hear a little bit about that and why we do it as a family, why um, our church has a heavy emphasis on family worship, and why we think that you should do it with your family. Um, So anyways, Jared, how's it going? It's going very good. Icebreaker. What have you been up to lately? <laughs> oh, tell about the hog hunt. The hog hunt was fun. We had a group of 11 guys, went down to Texarkana, Texas, and had an absolute blast. So you know the stories, but we ended up getting seven pigs, and it was as exciting as it sounds. We were walking through the woods. Maybe to your audience, it may not sound that exciting, <laughs> actually, but to your husbands out there, they would think this is exciting. Jared did a little video on Gab TV, if any of you want to share it with I your husbands, did. that they would probably be interested in that. It was just a great time. Friends hanging you know, camping, shooting, killing. We gutting. got a new truck tent, which yeah. is very cool. It's like a tent that goes over the bed of the truck. Yeah. And that's very fun and cool. Our boys have been very excited about that. I think they're going to be the talk of trail life because we do trail <laughs> life now. It's such a cool camp or such a cool tent for camping. I think our kids are going to, our boys are going to love it. It's funny, Becky and I were talking yesterday about how our boys just, whenever they're doing something, they can't just like play in the sandbox normally. They have to take it to the max of how can I play in the sandbox, but max it out. Mm-hmm. They can't just like nicely play in the sandbox. They're like climbing trees to jump into the sailbo- sandbox. Right. And and then we were talking about, well, you know, that's kind of just how the men are too. Like, right. how can we go hunting, but take it to the max? Let's yeah. go hunt animals that will run at us with tusks right. <laughs> and then pack <laughs> 70 pounds of meat on our back for miles like that doesn't sound fun to me at all but i'm glad you guys had a good time we did we were at the gym and i just lifted up i was trying to figure out how much this bag that i carried out of the woods weighed so i was picking up the different dumbbells and Mm -hmm. i i'm pretty confident that the weight i was carrying on my back was about 70 pounds Mm -hmm. and 70 pounds after three miles feels like well thousand pounds feels yeah about a thousand pounds so our meat is at the processor right now we're very excited about having some ham for maybe easter like a family outing yeah Yeah. some ham some breakfast Breakfast sausage sausage, lots of breakfast we eat a lot of breakfast sausage so that'll be fun to have so thank you for getting all that meat for us you're welcome i'm glad you had fun thanks for letting me go yeah (laughs) you guys did great here we always get sick when jared leaves i don't know what it is every if you go somewhere we all get sick like the day you leave i know Uh, and that happened again so we were pravi and i it feels inevitable fortunately i don't don't leave very often you know it's it's a trip and we don't get sick very often but for some reason if you're gonna leave we're gonna get sick Mm mm-hmm um, anyways, okay, so let's talk about family worship. So give a breakdown, first of all, of what is family worship. Okay. I did a poll in our church just asking how many people did family worship growing up. How many you, adults did family worship? As a, yeah. When they were when they were growing up in their home. And there was only one young man that grew up in a home that did family worship. Most of our church background, we come from more of a low church, non-confessional background. And 
not necessarily bad backgrounds. It was a group of, most of us came from groups and churches that really loved the Lord, but really broke free from what they saw as a lot of legalism. And everything like family worship or catechesis or anything like that was put together collectively in their minds anyways, as something that was dead or religious or, or something Catholic. like that. Or Catholic or, you know, too, liturg- you know, too liturgical for, for us to do and kind of thing. So a lot of this stuff for many of our people have, has been rediscovered in this idea of family worship. Oh, okay. You know, you read about it in history and it's just a common thing. This is what, this is what is expected of the, the head of household. And by default, then the woman who is one flesh with the head of, head of household is going to be doing everything that she can to raise the children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord as God has commanded the husband to do this. And as his helper, she's going to come alongside and want to do that as well. So family worship is a key component of raising our children the way God has commanded fathers to raise children in the home and raise them up in the discipline and the admonition of the Lord. Discipline and instruction of the Lord, the piety of the Lord, the culture of the Lord. And an aspect of raising our children up in the culture of the Lord is this thing called family worship. It also included in that culture is are things like recreation, everything that we do in life when it comes to our church family life. It's so uh, in other words, family worship it does not meet the qualifications of raising our kids the way God would have us. It's a element of raising our chil- mm-hmm. children up the way God would have us raise them. So there's going to be a huge disconnect if families only do family worship, but everything else is disconnected from from walking in the ways that God would have them as a family unit. And so if you send your kids to public school, if you send your kids to Christian school but don't do anything else, if you homeschool your kids but don't do anything else, and your, your children are just getting instruction for a couple hours of the day, but the rest of the day is just free-for-all like crazy, then you're, you're missing the mark also. So proper family worship is in this context of a commitment to raising our children and, and not provoking them. Chapter, chapter 6, verse 4 of Ephesians says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Provoking children to anger is very easy. The difficult thing is the opposite, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And this is one of those potent verses. You know, the Bible doesn't give us a step-by-step guide into how, how to raise our children up in the way they should be raised by doing X, Y, Z exactly. But there is this big, huge command that is really encapsulating of all of life. So everything that our children are involved in, in every single aspect of our life, the scriptures and their authority are pressed into every nook and cranny of our life. And then family worship is a piece of that. So historically, family worship has been has been singing, it's been praying, and it's, it's been singing, it's been hearing from God and responding to God in prayer. And included in that, in the doctrinal instruction, would be things like catechesis. We didn't hit a whole lot on that, but that's an aspect of it as well. So that's what we really laid out over about a, a five-week, we do quarterly classes. So we laid these out. I opened, did the opening session on just a, a foundation for family worship, which, by the way, to Fruitful and Fearless listeners, we're going to post that actually next week. So after the Wednesday after this releases, this Wednesday, next Wednesday, we'll post that. It's about a 45, 50, 50 minutes teaching or something like that, where I lay out the fa- foundations for family worship. But that's what we went through sequ- sequentially in the class, and I think they did, a, our elders did a phenomenal job. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, Vody Bachum has a famous quote, if you give your children to Caesar, don't be surprised when they come at Romans. So this is a key belief of why we don't send our children to government schools and don't think Christians should. By the way, did you see that uh, 
Gospel Coalition post with Jen Wilkins. Oh, yeah, where they do, like, a good faith dialogue. It's one of these conversations back and forth. Okay, yeah. I didn't watch it yet. Yeah, so Gospel Coalition is trying to argue that you can send your kids to a Christian school and they're having a good you faith public dialogue. Public school? Public school, the good faith dialogue on this. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that is a pretty archaic conversation at this point. Mm-hmm. That to make that is really misguided. So that would be the, the thing is, like, if you give your kids, your children to Rome, to, to Rome don't mm-hmm. be surprised when they come out Romans or Caesar. And the whole point is they're, that's, they're, you're, they're getting baptized in a culture. Mm-hmm. You're... you're, you're you're bringing them out of this kingdom way of living and saying, here, go live in the, the culture and the kingdom of Babylon, mm-hmm. basically, or the culture and the kingdom of secularism. And what you're doing then is they, they are learning the norms. They're picking up norms then outside of, you know, the, the Bible's commanded us for, the, for our children to pick up the norms of how life works from the, the kingdom of God. They mm-hmm. want to, like, what, what is the default normal mm-hmm. shouldn't be defined by the secularist yeah. out there and their education system. It should be defined by the Christian household yeah. and reaffirmed by the Christian church. So one thing that George said was... Which is one of our elders. One of our elders in one of the classes um, was that we aim our efforts where the fight is. Mm-hmm. And right now the fight is for our families, for our mm-hmm. children. And if you look anywhere on social media, you'll see like a uh, library reading with mm-hmm. a transvestite reading to your children about what it means to be... A boy or a girl, or a lack thereof, boy or mm-hmm. girl gender. Um, and so, like, anywhere in society, our children are just being doused with this absolute junk and lies of when it comes to gender and sexuality or when it comes to what it means to be a human or whatever. So, anyways, all these lies are going on outside there, and God is calling us in Deuteronomy to teach our children as we go, as we are going. So what does that mean? That our children are with us Mm -hmm. as we are going, we are teaching them. That means that assumes that our children are around us so that we can teach them as we are going, as we are doing things, as we are disciplining their sibling, what it looks like to give grace, but also truth and instruction to them and correction and what it means to respond, what it means to repent, what it means to work hard, what it means to be in relationship with people. As we are going, as we are doing all these things throughout the day, we are teaching them what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a household. So, um, yeah, I think that's an important element of like, if we are sending them out there, they are being doused in all this other stuff. But if we are keeping them with us, we have the opportunity to instruct them in the Lord. Well, they, they understand secularists, whether they realize it or not, they understand Ephesians chapter six, verse four, they understand the discipline and instruction part, Mm -hmm. but instead of in the Lord, it's in pluralism, it's in Satanism, it's in all sorts of everything that's antithetical to the Christian faith. They really understand the long game, and they understand how cultures and societies are changed. Mm-hmm. So they're really, in, the, in a sense, post-millennial, because they, they have this long view of how to win younger and younger generations, mm-hmm. and how to, from, from like literal physical castration to spiritual castration, where you're, you're literally cutting the feet out from under a child when you say there's nothing to being a boy or nothing to being a girl, you are not only warring against what the Yamago, like the, the very foundation of what it means to be human mm-hmm. and of how God created mankind, but you're also warring against any idea of, of Christian sanctification because you cannot, you know, in this discussion about manhood and womanhood and why it's so critical and why I love what you're doing for ladies is that there is no such thing as Christian growth apart from our gender. Mm-hmm. You can't grow in Christ without growing as a woman or growing as a man. So when there is an assault on gender itself, and this is where egalitarianism really, again, cuts the feet out from from sanctification because it's fighting against growing as a man or a woman. That's that's a war against sanctification itself, which is a war against the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. And so 
it is critical then for us to be able to go like exactly what George is talking about is like, you know, you go where the battle's at and where's the battle. It's after the Christian household. It's a decimation of the Christian, Christian household now for, for a very long time. And, uh, so I think the corrective, which has been really helpful to really solidify within our church. And so many people are doing this now and providing really good resources with this over, over you know, identifying these issues and then giving resources to, to combat these issues. But I think our church has done through our elders, a very good job of equipping our people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're going to walk quickly through those classes and what we talked about and just hit on them, not as extensively as they did. But yeah. One more thing that I think is kind of yeah. interesting. So in South Korea, they had the children, they showed them a Bible, and then this is what they did um, in, back in the 50s, I think it was. But they showed the kids a Bible, and they were like, go see if your parents have one of these, and then tell us, because mm-hmm. it was illegal to be a Christian in South Korea. Still, it's illegal to be a Christian in South Korea. North Korea. North Korea, I'm sorry. Um, and the children would go back home and they would be like, oh, my parents have one. And they would go and tell them. And they knew that if they target these children, then they can raise up a future generation of people who are aligned with their beliefs. And Mm -hmm. countries have done this throughout history. That's how you affect the future. That's how you get a country in line with how you want is you affect the next generation. And then Mm -hmm. they grow up with beliefs and ideologies that you don't have to instill in them. They've already been instilled as a child when they didn't know the difference. So anyways, instead of reactionary... Um, discipline, that kind of things. We are trying to, in family worship, instill training proactive for the future. These are what Christian yeah. men and women are going to be like. Well, also, the whole mask thing for children, mm-hmm. one of the things that people don't realize is that it had nothing whatsoever to do with the health of the children. And it had everything to do with, like, you say, like, I don't know, man, that's that's kind of out there. But just think about the, the consequences of this. You build a compliant generation. And if parents told their children, don't put a mask on, and they go to school. We actually had friends that this, this actually mm-hmm. happened to. They go to the school and the school actually suspended them because they would not obey the school over their parents. They did not recognize parental authority. And what they're doing at a low level or, or early level at the expense of education of children in the in the government school system is building a compliant generation. They want to build a generation. And they have been doing this for a very long time that wars against the teaching of the household. And so that's what has been happening for decades now. Mm -hmm. And we've been getting pummeled as a church all the while talking about how we want to be salt and light. And the numbers do not lie that the secularists have been evangelizing Christians at the lower levels and younger age more than Christians have been evangelizing the secularists. Mm -hmm. The numbers do not lie. Can you point to a few children that have uh, escaped the indoctrination? Well, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the numbers as a whole, it is absolutely, absolutely ludicrous to send children to the front lines of battle when they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. And so we got to do everything we can not to build a compliant generation to the secularists and those out there. We want to build a compliant generation to King Jesus right. who are going to align with their, and they're going to take their orders from mm-hmm. Jesus through the Christian household. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to see. And that's mm-hmm. what we want to equip our people with. And anybody listening in, we want you to be equipped with as well. And children who are courageous and brave and able to stand for the truth, no matter what the cost and know what the truth is and know when those times to stand are. Yeah. And just all those when things. When they're of age. Yes. Not mm-hmm. expecting them to be able right. to do that. In that's why grade. we have them at our home. Yeah. Training them, teaching them, guiding them, protecting them, shielding them even. Like, mm-hmm. do you want your child to be sheltered? Yes, I actually do. I do mm-hmm. want them to be sheltered. Right. <laughs> I want them to be sheltered from the evils of the world until they are ready to face it like a lion. Yeah. And then they will be released. And not sheltered. Like, we want them to climb trees. Oh, and yeah. Possibly, like, if you, you know, know our children, you know they're not sheltered in that right. way. <laughs> right. Exactly. But in the right sort of way. So, so these four key components, what I did is lay down a foundation the first week. 
of family worship. And then we sequentially worked through this and we had to get out of order a little bit because George couldn't make it two weeks in a row. So Andy stepped in. So what we did was one week on prayer. George did a phenomenal job defining prayer Mm -hmm. and then talking about the, um, the commandments that we have about prayer, that prayer is not to be like the man standing on the street, street corner calling attention to himself with long words and long prayers. And so often we get guilt, this is guilt-ridden, that prayers have to be very, very long. And so that translates to family worship. You know, well, if family worship isn't, you know, an hour long, we're not doing it right. And this is so helpful for kids. Like, when you have a bunch of wiggly kids, and if you do it at nighttime, and they're ready to go to bed, and you're giving this big, long, elaborate prayer full of words that they don't understand anyway, like, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. How would you pray with a child? And mm-hmm. actually think about what that would sound like and look like. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so in order, we did prayer, uh, but uh, typically in family worship, though, what you do is start with start with worship. So start with God. You're singing a praise to God. So you're singing to God, and then what you're doing, or hearing God speak first, and then responding to Him and singing. Either way, so that necessary sequence is not necessarily like a liturgy on a Sunday morning. It can be a little bit different, but and then ending with prayer. Okay, so what we did is a talk on on prayer, and then we moved to a talk on singing and the importance of singing as the people of God. And, you know, you think about what are we doing as a church when we come together, and then think about what you do as a family when you come together. What we're doing as a family, in in a lot of ways, is mimicking what's happening on on the Lord's Day, and we're getting to do that at, at home. So... The idea, the way I explain this is that that home, when we're doing family worship and we're talking about the things of God as we go and whatever we're doing, what we're doing is, you know, like how I explained it in that talk that you're going to hear next week is that, you know, if you go outside and you just plant in the backyard a tomato plant and don't do anything to it, it'll grow. Like it'll grow, it'll get sun, it'll get rain. It may not be in the optimum place. It may not get the optimum rain. At it, least in southern Illinois. It, it'll yeah, grow. right. <laughs> and it might not get, you know, it might not have the optimum soil, but mm-hmm. you'll it'll grow and you'll get a tomato plant. And in your home, if you bring your kids to church, if you pray every once in a while, this kind of thing, your, your tomato will grow, like your, your child will grow, and they'll end up being an adult. But what we do with, with family worship and the culture that we're developing in our home is we're putting the tomato plant in the right place, in the right soil, putting the fertilizer on it, watering it regularly, and we're trusting that as we do that, that there's going to be a better reward, that the, right. the, the fruit is we're going to be yielded. We're staking it up. We're helping it. We're supporting it. Yes. We're doing what we can. We cannot determine the outcome, mm-hmm. but we can determine the kind of soil and all that stuff that goes around it and be building up, again, what we're talking about normal here, the ways of the kingdom, trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to come and bless the work of our hands as parents and the prayers that we've prayed. And we're going to see fruit. We're going to see our children grow up into godly men and women who then do that for their children. I mean, we're raising, as we talked about before, we're raising our grandchildren's, we're raising our our grandchildren's parents Mm -hmm. and we're raising our great grandchildren's, you know, you you get, you get the point. So in the prayer, then we are, excuse me, in the uh, singing, then we want to cultivate in our home and fathers can model this in singing, that singing is not just a feminine thing. It's not just a thing for, you know, it's not just a thing for the mamas to do. But we are going to sing as a family. And often this is the, a difficult part because we'll have to pause. Hey, I want everybody to be singing here. My expectation is that everyone's going to sing here today. And we're going to get a song on our church's song list. And we're just going to go through that song. We're going to sing it that every single day that we month. We usually have a hymn of the month. Usually we, have a hymn, yeah. That we do every night for an entire month. Right. And then we switch. Yeah. Yep. And then finally, we'll go through and we'll teach, uh, uh, we'll go through a story Bible or something like that. And then, you know, this would be a place if you're not doing catechesis for school, this would be the time that you can also go through a catechism or something like mm-hmm. that. But 
we're getting those three big elements within family worship. And it doesn't have to take very long. Ours is typically 10 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't take a really long time. And then throughout the day, we're talking about lessons, uh, you know, anytime we get the opportunity, anytime there's a disciplinary, you know, time, we're talking about God's grace. We're talking about the discipline of the Lord and how we expect them to obey because God commands them to obey. So we're not going to make disobedience to God easy on them. We want them to reinforce what God commands of them, which is obedience to us. And uh, so w- when you combine all of those three aspects, it-, it is a piece of raising our children the way God would have us raise them. And so family worship for us is often wiggly. It's often disconnected, but they're, they're learning. We're laying out expectations. As soon as we just started saying that, hey, our expectations, we're not going to dance. That is actually, it actually is kind of working against what we're trying to do. Dancing, sometimes we want to have fun, but sometimes with family worship, it can get a little crazy really quick with our kids. Mm-hmm. So we have to sit them down together and it always works better. And sometimes we'll even do this around the dinner table and we'll do family worship at dinner time. Which we'll always work seems to work best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'll have to figure out what works best for you, but don't just think that, okay, I'm going to get family worship down. And then just because I've done family worship, then I've done everything I need for my family. It's a both and thing here. We're raising our children up in a you know holistic manner where all of our life we're reinforcing what God would have us walk in and live in. Yeah. And I think the question often is, well, when should we start this? At what age should we start doing this with our children? And um, my answer would be, do you have a child? Then you should do it. Mm -hmm. Whenever Ransom was first born, he's our first, and whenever he was an infant, like newborn baby, I would be nursing him in his room, about to put him to sleep, and Jared would be reading storybook Bible to us as I nursed him and was about to lay him down. He would just, Jared would be sitting with us and reading out loud. And I vastly credit that to why he is so able to sit and listen for a very long time now as an eight-year-old is I can read to him for an extremely long time and he's able to sit and listen Mm -hmm. but um our kids enjoy being read aloud too because they've been read aloud too since infancy so I think that training is very helpful to just start as quick as possible also Pravi is too and she loves she can sing the doxology and it's adorable and she I have a little video that I took of her she was just singing looking out the windows we were driving down the road singing hoey 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 and it's just adorable to see young children and there's a scripture about that. Uh, or maybe it's a psalm. Is it a psalm that we sing? I don't know. Something about the in the mouths of infants. Yeah, in the mouth, yeah, in the mouth of babes. Yeah, psalm, I forget. Oh, man. I wish I had that. Can I just maybe 11. look it up and you can edit this? Uh, sure. Uh, the One other thing. I'll just talk for a second while you're okay. looking that up. Then we won't even have to edit it. Um, family worship is going to take a different shape. It's malleable when it comes to time, process, the different ages of your children. And then what it's going to look like when your kids leave as well. What time with your with your wife looks like is going to be different as your the stages of life differ. And then, you know, one day when your grandchildren are over, what's it going to look like when they're staying over, you know, for three nights where your, your children go out and go to a conference or something like that. So just know that these things are a little bit malleable and they're depending upon your, your family size and how old your children are you guys have the wisdom to walk through that and apply these principles. I mean, these are kind of like Swiss army principles we're talking about. Like be, just apply it to your family, you know, as you, you know, as you need to. Okay. Psalms eight to Okay. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have ordained praise. There we go. Love it. It's so cool. But uh, yeah, just as soon as you have children, go ahead and teach them things and sing with them and teach them who made you mm-hmm. God. Yeah. What else did God make? Everything. It's fun. <laughs> it's just, it's fun and it's adorable and it's joyful. And it's also, it's teaching us too, because so many of the catechism questions are, I've talked about this before, but are 
our truce that we hang other information on. So I said at the um, class at church that night that when we were talking about Hinduism and, and uh, we were learning about, you know, they believe that there's like thousands of different gods and mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, is there more than one true God, guys? And they're like, no, absolutely not. So they know because they know the answers to these catechism questions that there's not more than one true God that this, that Hinduism cannot be true. So um, that's, it's just very valuable for many different seasons of life, many different topics that you're learning and throughout adulthood that if you have these foundational questions, these pegs to hang your other information on, mm-hmm. that really establishes a person. Absolutely. Well, I okay. think... I think our babysitter is done, so we have to go. <laughs> but also, like we said, next week we will post the foundations of family worship for you be, for you to be able to listen to right in the Fruitful and Fearless stream as well. Yes, and then I also am going to try to get a just like a weekly uh, sheet that you can print off that will have um, like an outline for your family worship and then also a prayer request section that your family can write down things that you're praying about, praying about during the season. I'll have that on the website. And so just a little extra resource for you guys. And then also, if you want to listen to this five-week series that our church did on family worship where it's broken down into a lot more detail than this then you can check it out on um whatever podcast platform that you prefer but it's just christ Christ church Church carbondale Carbondale. yep anyways thank you for listening i hope this is inspiring to you you know what we should also do um post some of our favorite resources from family worship our our favorite like uh children's bibles and different things like that i'll I'll also do that i'll post that on the website as well so anyways thanks for listening if you have any questions about family worship then um send those to me uh via instagram that's the easiest probably on fruitful and fearless send me those questions and we can do a follow-up episode answering any family worship questions you might have thanks for letting me come on the show yeah thanks for coming thanks for listening have a good day everybody hey everyone we want to thank you so much for listening to the fruitful and fearless podcast and continuing to come back you guys have certainly been an encouragement to us and we hope we've been an encouragement to you as well we want to continue this work and we need your help to do that if you'd head over to the Fruitful and Fearless website, it's just fruitfulandfearless.com. You can find memberships there that are different tiers that contain different benefits to you as well. If you want to just support us for the heck of it because you're enjoying the show, that's always a blessing as well. But we try to make it even more worth it for you with recipes, groups for homeschooling and cooking, baking, natural health. We try to put as many resources on there as we can. But thank you for your support. It greatly helps our family.